Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode 173 of NASCAR Radio, where trading cards and racing meet. I'm your pal Val, with me is the man, the myth, the legend, PSA, and White Castle Hall of Famer, Logan. Logan, welcome back. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, and I'm feeling shiny like a New Year. Me too. Yeah, we were off for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, got a great show for everybody today as we get back into the swing of things. Uh, we got a little NASCAR news, uh, sad news, and we're going to look at the Racing Card Hall of Fame. The ballot has been decided, and so we're going to get released that and let folks vote on on that, but we'll cover that in more detail when we get to it. And then we'll finish the show with, with King's Court. Yeah, we've got a little bit of an extended King's Court since we were off for a few weeks. Uh, I added one more honorable mention. So it's a little bit longer, but hey, it's it's worth it. There's a lot of cool cards this week, or these last few weeks. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's get some housekeeping. I want to thank our sponsor, Panini America, and give some shout outs. Excuse me, new subscribers here Mark Hoyle's Impossible Dream. Welcome, Barnhart. Welcome as well. And West Texas Cars, Cards, Comics. You subscriber. And if you uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, we'll give you a shout out. Uh, Welcome your board. And also want to thank a shout out to folks in the comments on the last show. Uh, Tim Mozzie, Kyle Katz, Jason Freeman, Pit Road Network. Chase Alok, Justin Channels, and Misha Wines. For the YouTube comments, we read them, so please leave them. Yeah, that last one was a great, great show. If you have not uh, watched it, it's it's well worth it. We had Justin Channels come on. He had the quest to acquire a 1972 STP and have Richard Petty sign it uh, and inscribe it. So that was, uh, that was a great story and uh, made us all feel like we were there. We got it all accomplished, so... Mm-hmm. That was that was a, that was a great story, and that was a really big shoe we had there. <laughs> it sure was. Uh, let's see. So, Panini, Panini Chronicles and Prime are should be coming out soon, but haven't been able to get any dates. I think it was Steel City or Blowout has Prime releasing January twelfth, and then Chronicles on the twenty fourth of January. But I don't know. If that's uh, it's all so you change, so I don't think that's happening yet. So we'll see. As soon as we know, we'll let you guys know. Let's see. F1 Chrome dropped. We're going to save that for next week. We'll dig through the checklist and all the odds and all the other good stuff that's under the covers. Yeah. And um, what was it? Panini Prism Football dropped. And we figured we could buy, what, five boxes of Prism Racing for the price of one box of football. I'm sticking with the racing. <laughs> yeah, five boxes, four autos a box. So that's like 20 autos. And what was it, like one auto for the I don't even, I don't like even know how many. I do not even know either. how many. I would hope it's four. I'd like to think it would be more than one for 700 and some odd dollars. Yeah, but I don't know enough uh, to know. But anyway, it's uh, I know it's, uh, out of my, it's out of my price range. So Me too. Anything else uh, we want to chat about before we uh, talk about some of our sad news? 
Um, I can't think of anything. Uh, I mean, you know, a couple more shout outs to some of our international listeners from like Singapore, Canada, Germany, in those places. We appreciate you guys for listening as well. I and mean, of course, all the folks in the United States, but uh, we appreciate you, you worldwide listeners and viewers. Yeah. The, the podcast reaching all over the world there. Of course, YouTube as well, but uh, I'm assuming YouTube does. I don't know if it's blacked out at any of the other countries, but anyway. Uh, yes, we appreciate everybody watching and listening and commenting and, and you know, being part of the show because that's why we're doing it. Uh, education and, you know, try to have a little a good time as well and collect cards. I mean, the focus of the, you know, we're trading cards and racing meat. So try to merge, merge those two because, you know, me and Logan, we both really enjoy cards, collecting cards and all that good stuff. So, all right. Speaking of cards, we got, uh, you want to talk about Paul Murphy? Yeah, we can talk about her first. For those of you who are not familiar with Paula Murphy, she was a pioneering NHRA funny car driver. She drove, yeah, and there's a picture of her car. She was actually sponsored by STP, but she actually passed away on December 21st at the age of 95. So she had what I would say a good run, so to speak. But she was the first woman licensed driver to drive a funny car in the NHRA. And um, I found out an interesting little tidbit that when I was reading about more about her in 1971, and this is from the NHRA website. In 1971, Paula Murphy was invited to Talladega Super Speedway to drive the STP Dodge stock car of Fred Lorenzen, with which she broke the NASCAR's women's closed course record at 171.499 miles per hour. So I thought that was a cool little tidbit, a little tie-in to uh, NASCAR right there with Fred Lorenzen, who we, we love on this show. She was also inducted into the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame in 1992 and the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America in Daytona in 2017. Wow. So that's, that's pretty good places there. Yeah, she had a great career, man. She really did. She was a pioneering uh, person you know, within the, the drag racing sport. So uh, she'll be missed. But like I said, she was 95, and uh, we can all hope to live that long. And she had a she had a good a good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did a pioneer. That's awesome. She will be missed. And then we had some sad news the other day. Cal Yarbrough passing. Yep, New Year's Eve. Be there for the induction in 2012, a legend. So, um, have a little video here. I will play that as a tribute to him as uh, the first one to win three championships in a row. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Cal Yarborough was born not far from the future site of Darlington Raceway. Like his home track, Yarborough built a legacy of grit, determination, and excellence. Throughout his career, Yarborough was renowned for his toughness. It was written on his face and in the record books. They didn't come any tougher than, than Keel. I mean, it didn't make no difference. He was hard as that cement floor right there. There was nothing that scared Keel Yarborough. He was as braver than Dick Tracy. He's like a, a John Wayne type. He would never back down, it looked like, from a challenge. People talking about, hey, he was a, a farm boy that crawled underneath the fence to go to his first Darlington race. 
he didn't let anything stand in his way. And I think a lot of people admired him for that and his, his tenacity. This is a real tricky part of the racetrack. It's the end of number four. I always told people he drove harder down the straightaway than I drove in a corner. I mean, that's how hard he drove a race car. I grew up racing in places like Sumter and Columbia and Myrtle Beach, and uh, but they were all dirt tracks. There wasn't any paved tracks in my part of the country. Everything was dirt. I think it helped me become the race driver that I eventually became. On the local circuit, Yarborough quickly made a name for himself as a hard charger. How are you going to run the race? Same way I did at Daytona, all out. That reputation earned him rides with renowned Cup Series teams like Holman Moody and Banjo Matthews. Soon, he was on to even greater opportunities. At the end of the season, Ford put me with the Wood Brothers, took me from Banjo and put me with the, with the Wood Brothers. Wood Brothers cars have always won, won races. And uh, you know, when I got there, I figured that I was about at the top. Together, Yarborough and the Wood Brothers won 13 races, including the 1968 Daytona 500. The Daytona 500 has always been big, but my win in Darlington in 1968, I would take it over any Daytona 500 because that was, that's where it all started for me. He'll hit the wall. He hit the wall and bounces right between those two cars. There is one of the most superb pieces of driving we'll ever see. Yarborough was unstoppable in 1968, winning six races in only 21 starts. Well, Kale, it must be a happy day for you, eh? Yes, this is the happiest day of my life. After Ford pulled out of NASCAR in 1971, Yarborough found work driving Indy cars, proving his versatility. When the contract was up, I wanted to come back to NASCAR because NASCAR was where my, my heart was. I needed a ride, and Junior Johnson needed a driver. It was a partnership for the ages. From 1976 to 1979, Yarborough was nearly unbeatable in Junior Johnson's number 11, winning 28 races and becoming the first driver in NASCAR history to capture three straight cup titles. No account of Yarborough's career is complete without a chapter on the 1979 Daytona 500. Out of turn two, Donnie Allison in first. Where will Kale make his move? He comes to the inside. Donnie Allison throws the block. Kale hits him. He slides. Donnie Allison slides. They hit again. They climb into the turn. They're hitting the wall. They're head on the wall. He cost me a chance of winning another Daytona 500. I was hot enough to fight over it, and that's what I did. Bobby Allison has stopped by his brother to help. Bobby came up, so I figured it was going to be a, a double teaming, so, <laughs> so we went at it for a little while, you know. And there's a fight between Cale Yarborough and Donnie Allison. The tempers overflowing. They're angry. They know they have lost. And what a bitter defeat. The final act of Yarborough's career came in the number 28 Hardy's car. He saved some of his best performances for last, winning back-to-back -back Daytona 500s in 1983 and 84. In total, Yarborough won the 500 four times, the second most of any driver. 
After four decades and 83 wins, Yarborough drove his final race in 1988. He continued on as a car owner, winning only a single race at Daytona in 1997. In 2012, Yarborough's career was marked with its highest honor as he was inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yarborough was a self-made racing champion whose career was a lot like his life. Tough, determined, and always entertaining. He'll be remembered as one of the greatest NASCAR drivers of all time. Cale Yarborough was 84 years old. What a legend. And that video is from uh, NASCAR, NASCAR Hall of Fame. It was just such an awesome video that I thought we, we should play that as a tribute to, to Cal. Yeah. And there's a fight. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you know, th just the 83 wins, the three championships in a row, and then all the Daytona 500 wins. Uh, of course, that 88, or I was going to say the Hardy's number 28 car is always iconic to me because it was in the max set uh, in 1988. So. Yeah, and you know he was the very first driver to win with an in-car camera, and th those things were not like GoPros. Those things were like big behemoth cameras. So, and, and they, you know, they actually had the the pan and the tilt and the zoom. Those were that was something back in the. I think he won the. I think it was the Daytona 584. I think is where he where he won with that. Wow, that's. I mean, think about it now. In-car cameras and and all that is just the norm but back then yeah that was groundbreaking back then i think cbs may have won an emmy for that i i don't re remember if that's exactly correct but i think that's what happened uh for that coverage it, it just amazed me that the video and and all that stuff because you know prior to that it, it felt like you're actually in the car you know and, mm -hmm. and getting that perspective as opposed to you know being in the stands and that's why just the technology, everything has gotten uh, better and, and bring in the NASCAR or racing car enthusiast into the sport better. And as technology has gotten better, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the crazy things that I remember is uh, I think it was at Talladega and Kelly Arbor went and did, I think two or three laps around the track at Talladega. And it was, it was blistering hot. This is like, you know, the July race, which is ungodly hot. <laughs> and he came back in and Chris Akonomaki, they broke an egg in the floorboard on the passenger side of the car and it was starting to fry. I did read some, yeah. I did read something about them, them doing that. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> even have it on the sun or having it in Talladega in the summer is kind of a push, right? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, this is the '88 Max uh, Yarbrough I was talking about. It just always be iconic for me, you know, and, and think of of Cal. So, yeah, and I've got I've got this card too, the '86 Sports Star Photographics, which also features the number twenty-eight Hardy's Ford T-Bird. So that's a that's a pretty cool card. Let me see if I can zoom in and you know, I only met him. I guess it was once at the nascar hall of fame i think Me it was too. like uh it was a luncheon i think it was and he was there and he was great you know sat down and we could you know sit and talk with him and i uh, was just he was great and i don't think he ever came to another induction other than uh, the one that he was in so 
Yeah, didn't he? Wa- I think he wanted to be paid and have his expenses paid. Um, so he he if they didn't do that, he wasn't coming. So they weren't going to do that. So he did not come. Yeah, that's I think that's what I had heard. So, but uh, you know, as you saw in the video, worked himself up basically from from nothing to become a <laughs> one of the greatest driver champions sports scene. So, yeah, and you know. He was one of those wheelmen that could take a tenth place car and win with it. He would, he would, he would, you know, he, and, and it's funny because in that video, they said grit and determination. Those are the exact words I had here written on my show notes or grit and determination. And I thought that was just amazing. Well, I think it was Richard Petty said, you know, <laughs> that concrete was as tough as he was. Yeah, he was very tough. And uh, he would drive hard down the straightaways. You know, harder than uh, Richard would would be driving in the in, in the corners, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, just they don't don't make them like that anymore. And he signed; he was a great signer through the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, he personalized so right there. And I think it was until last year. I think he might have stopped, but yeah, there towards the end, I think we saw a few people got autographs back that he just signed at CY. Oh, I I did not see that, but yeah, instead but, of Kelly Yarbrough, he just had just had his initials instead. That's we knew, we knew the, the end was near at that point. It's very sad. But instead of, you know, either stopping or whatever, like David Pearson and those guys, you know, basically say, hey, you know, not, or Junior Johnson not signing anymore, he, he was still signing for the fans. So just yep. a sad day, and unfortunately we all get older and just you know, trying to do a little tribute there to, to Cal Yarborough. So. Yep, he'll be missed for sure. Definitely. All right, let's – uh Let's move over to the Na- uh, the NASCAR, right? The Racing Card <laughs> Hall of Fame. We mentioned it in December, and we had voting to create a list of candidates, or, or I guess we put them on the ballot. Yeah, what we or, yeah what we did is we we took all the nominations that all, all of our viewers and listeners had made, plus some of our own that we had made, and. We had a five-person committee, including my Val and myself, and we all took all of those and we voted on the ones that we wanted to see in there. And from that, we came up with our 40-card list or ballot, I should say. Yeah, we had quite a few that had multiple selections or whatever it was. So those we, you know, we, we those were all put in, and then we had some that were tied or whatever it was. And so we we worked on getting that list of 40. So. Yeah, it was quite an extensive list, and uh, to narrow it down to forty was actually it, w- it wasn't wasn't easy, but it wasn't you know it wasn't tough either. But it you know it just took took some work on our part, but we we actually got it narrowed down to forty. I think this next phase is going to be really tough. I was I, I was doing some testing of the balloting process, and I'm like select that one, select that one. I was like select that one. I'm already over ten. I'm like. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I guess I really don't want to take any off, but I really want to add, add this one. So uh, this next phase is going to be a lot tougher for, for folks. So when I'm super excited that uh, this is going to be going live at Logan, when, when will the ballots be opening? It'll be open as soon as you hear this, this uh, podcast slash, you know, YouTube video. So as soon as you hear it or see it, you can vote. Awesome. It'll be open. So basically, if you have your phone handy, then you can scan the QR code here, and that'll bring you to the ballot. And 
Uh, you'll see where this says password is capital R-C-H-O-F. And you want to put your email address in. Yeah, it's going to ask you for your email and then the password. And then you'll be able to vote for up to 10. You don't have to vote for 10 if you don't want to, but you're going to want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you're you're try to vote for 11, but you can't. Yeah, it won't let you. Uh, okay. I've set the limit on it to, to 10. <laughs> so you can vote. But the only thing that you you could possibly do is vote more than once. We're asking people not to do that. Not not our listeners. Our listeners are all honest and they will not <laughs> stuff the ballot box with their favorite cards. So well you, you right. never know. I mean but you know we are we are asking people to 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 limit to one but I mean if you feel the need you know I we can't stop you. <laughs> Don't say that no Logan can stop you. Don't do it. <laughs> right, well you know, I could could check your IP address and see where it's coming from, but you never know. Yeah, that's right. You're our network guy. So, all right. So we we have the list of forty, and uh, I guess we'll go through them and just so everybody can kind of see it, hear it, the forty, and uh, you'll have to, you know, whittle down and find the the ten that you think should be in the Racing Card Hall of Fame, and that's NASCAR F1, drag racing. Drag racing, so yeah, you want to do a little bit of everything in there. Any other thing you want to talk about before we start looking at the looking at the list? Well, what I will mention is that once voting starts, it will carry through the whole month of January, and it will end on the third of February. And once we get the all the votes tabulated, we will uh, announce the winner on our. I think it's the show that will drop on the 16th of February. We will announce the inductees and the website will be live to where you can go out there and actually view the inductees on the official website, which is, I think it's racing card H dot com. So, okay. Uh, so that's, that's, that's how it's going to work. You'll have a whole month basically to vote. So you got plenty of time. To, to get out there and, and do it. So everybody, I would think, should be able to find a few minutes within the next month to do it. Yeah, you don't want to wait to the end, but... No, you don't want to wait to the end, but... Uh, and we, we will not give any updates either on where things are because we want this we want this thing to be organic and we want everybody to, to vote with their favorites and their heart. Yeah, racing card, trading cards, getting their recognition and love they deserve. Yes. So if you're it, if you enjoy collecting racing cards, then you must, you must, for the sake of the hobby and the sports, you must put in a ballot. Yes, vote vote early, but not often. <laughs> so I know I know racing cards are are down there below the stick and the hockey and I don't even know golf and Pokemon or whatever it is, but we are proud. Of the racing card community, so yes, we strong. are. We, we support it, and we're we are strong. Don't mess with us. That's right. We got a lot of drive. Aha! Uh -huh. Is that a pun or? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you ready? Go for it, man. Let's All start right, here we out. go. The first row here. All right. Uh, the first card that we've got is, and it's the oldest card, by the way, is the 1911 American American Tobacco T36 Barney Oldfield, and those are unnumbered cards, and of course. As it says there, Barney, Barney Oldfield's name was synonymous with speed in the first two decades of the 1900s. 
Uh, and this set was only produced apparently for four days. So these cards are hard to find. Well, they made so many tobacco cards, but or tobacco packs, but yeah, and to survive uh, for for geez over a hundred years, that's pretty amazing. Hundred and what? Hundred and thirteen years or something? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't going to do the math, but okay. I think that's right. I don't know. It I'm is. doing my Jethro Bodine ciphering. <laughs> it's 2024, so. Right. Yes, you're right. Okay. So uh, the next card is, it jumps up 50 years. It just goes to show you how many racing cars were not made during that period. Um, this is the 1961 Marhofer Indianapolis 500, AJ Foyt, and that, those cards are unnumbered as well. This is the very first year that they made, that Marhofer made cards uh, that showed the Indy 500 champions. And these cards were actually, they're, they're coated in wax. And they were actually inserted as the little sniff, stiffener boards for the hot dogs. And I don't know how old some of you people are out there, but I remember those days when they had the little boards in there that keep the pack stiff for the hot dogs. So that's what these were for. So they just they just made that. And I think Marhofer was a local meat packer you know, in the Indianapolis area. So the, that card is very hard to find. I mean, very, very hard to find. Uh, I think Ken is the only person I know that has one. Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice one. That's a good good first two here. Yeah. All right, let's go to second row. You can you, you feel free to jump in there. Val, sure. You want me to grab this row? The 1969 Panini. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that is. The cha oh, champion the Della Sport. Yeah, it's a Campanelli, Campanini, or something. Della Sport. Uh, Mario Andretti, card one seventeen. Uh, Mario Andretti was successful in multiple racing disciplines, and this is a rookie card. Yeah, so this Panini, early Panini issue. Yeah, that's a very early for for racing. That was an early Panini issue. I think this was an insert in the maybe in the magazine as well. Um, I've seen I've seen him where man, I think it's this one where there's like two cards on it, and that's one of them. Anyway, it's a uh, super tough, and um, so we jump from '69 here to 1972, uh, which is the 1972 STP uh, Bobby Allison. There were no, uh, it was not numbered. And this was a limited giveaway from STP's Andy Granatelli in 1972. Uh, it's considered the first NASCAR trading card set made up of 11 cards. And uh, this card is Bobby Allison's earliest known trading card. Yeah, that's a toughie for sure. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, harder to find than some of the other ones. Uh, I will have to do a show on the 1972 STP set and and go through uh, the the more common to the to the rarer ones. So, but uh, okay, so row three. All right, the 1972 STP Fred Lorenzen portrait. No number, of course, on the back. None of the STP cards have numbers. And it says the 1972 STP set was a giveaway at the Daytona 500 that year. 
Uh, this is the first of two cards in the set of Fred Lorenzen. This portrait card is known to be tougher than most of the cards in the set, which it is. Um, I think the Bobby Allison is probably tougher than this card, but um, it's it's a cool card. I, I love Fred Lorenzen's hair in that. Yeah. And then the next card is also Fred Lorenzen. It's the 1972 STP Fred Lorenzen with his car. And uh, this is probably one of the toughest cards, I, I would think, in the uh, set. Because this is this one and the Bobby Allison cards are the last two that I need to complete my set. So I've been gone. I've been going all these years, and I have not been able to complete this set yet. But it's, uh, it says it's one of the most sought-after NASCAR trading card sets. This is the second Lorenzen card in the set, and it depicts him kneeling by his car. Of all the cards in the this 11-card set, this is the rarest of them all, and it is. If you go look at the PSA Pop Report, you'll see that there are fewer of this card than any of the rest. Yeah, and so also in 1972, uh, Daytona 500, he did not race. So uh, I don't know if they'll be giving out cards of him if he wasn't racing. So this one is a tough one. Mm -hmm. And that may be why it's so rare, Val. That, that's, that's my, I guess I kind of hinted that's one of the reasons why I think it's, it's rare because uh, 1972 Daytona, Daytona 500, uh, there was another car racing uh, for STP and uh, would go on to race STP for, I don't know how many years. So, uh, mm. so Richard Petty filled that in 1972. So yeah, that's. But we'll talk about that, I guess, when we uh, we uh, kind of do a special segment on episode on seventy two SCP. But all right, let's go to row four. Ah, another nineteen seventy two STP. This is Richard Petty with no number and the limited giveaway from STP's Andy Granitelli. Uh, it's considered the first NASCAR training card set. And again, we said uh, it's eleven cards. And this card is Richard Petty's earliest known trading card. And then we move on to the 1979 Avalon Hill, A.J. Foyt, number 21. And these cards are part of an Indianapolis 500 board game and difficult to find in uh, pristine condition. Uh, Avalon Hill produced uh, an indie card game, I think from 1979 to like the mid-1980s. So uh, this is the first year that they had that pretty cool yeah and those were not meant to be a collectible either correct so they were part of the game and there was a board and little plastic cars and then the cards of the starting lineup of that year's indy 500 and uh so card number 21 means he finished uh position 21 in 1979 uh and there's stats on the back and then so you have a, a pad and dice and uh, that's how you kind of played the game. So to your point, uh, you know, the, they were packaged in there. And the first thing you did when you opened the board game was tear all those off. They were perforated and, uh, you know, get a rubber band and stack them. So, so yeah, you play the game. Okay. So let's go to row number five. All right. Uh, the 1982 Kidco Tough Wheels Dale Earnhardt number four in I'll use air quotes, drafting to win card. Um, there were two laser print cards packaged in each Kidco Tough Wheels diecast vehicles in 1982. 
Many of the cars were damaged or destroyed over the years as kids were more interested in the diecast vehicles than completing the 24-card set, which is very true. I'm sure a lot of these cars just got pitched. Yeah. I mean, you can take the car and you can roll it and you can do other things. Uh, not much you can do with that card in 1982, especially if you're eight, nine-year-old kid, right? Yeah, and that's a that's a tough card. Uh, it's it, and it's a great card. It's of course you can see Dale Earnhardt's driving the number fifteen. I think that's the Bud Moore car. That's the T Bird he was driving back then during that season. And you can so, see right who's right behind him chasing him. Yeah, the King. Yeah, in, in his Pontiac. Yep, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. And then the next card is the nineteen eighty three Uno, Dale Earnhardt number twenty seven. This is Earnhardt's. First card with you know that pictures him. Uh, of course, he's the seven-time uh, Cup champion. But uh, this is what I think we consider here on NASCAR Radio his rookie card. Uh, a lot of people do not, but we do. So it's a cool, it's a cool card. And by the way, these cards we're we're, we're showing you guys these in chronological order, just so you know. And that's how they will be on the website or on the uh, on the ballot. Yeah, the, the way I have them here in these different rows is the way they appear on the ballot. So, And you can see the little checkbox. All you would do is make a check uh, as one of your selections as you go down the row. So. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of rows, we go to row number six. And we have two 1983 Uno cards here. We have the card number 28 of Daryl Walter. And again, issued in 1983, the 30-card Uno set contains many key rookies. This card is Darrell Walter's first-ever trading card of the three-time Cup champion. The back depicts the image of a regular Uno deck back, which makes them pretty cool. I think that's a, a pretty cool little thing where it shows, uh, you know, if you've ever played the Uno game, you, you know what that image is, so... Yeah, and you know, it's funny because back in the day when I first learned about these cards, I went to the stores thinking they would be in the store, and I looked and looked and looked and never saw anything anything like this at all. Yeah, we'll have to do another show on this set as well. This one, uh, we actually, it's in our archives. Uh, actually, we can go back to episode, back to 31. We talk about the 1983 Uno set. Also, episode 9, but I would probably go to, I think, 31 and... Um, talk a little bit about that and the manufacturer who, who printed them and how they were done. But um, the next one here is card number 23 and that's Richard Petty. And again, the same uh, 30 from the same 30 card set that was um, released a track track side promotional giveaway uh, limited and uh, sports most Important driver of all, of all at all time. This one of Petty's earliest known cards, and it's incredible, incredibly desirable. All yeah, right. I, I love that card. Yeah, that's a, it's a cool one. It's definitely a nice one. All right, so let's go to row number seven. All right, um, we've got the 1986 Sports Star Photographics Dale Earnhardt. Those cards are unnumbered. But they do have variations. There are some with the address on the back and some without. So uh, there are there are two different ones to look for. But uh, these are oversized cards that were sold at the tracks along with the Sports Star Photographics placemats in 1986. Uh, some of those cards were super short printed like this Dale Earnhardt. You know, there's a few others like Tim Richmond, 
uh, and cards like that. I think Jeff Bodine is, is a super short print, but uh, this one by far is the one that everybody wants. And, and I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. And I think we've mentioned this before is when they were sold at the tracks, um, they were just put into like little sandwich bags and they were like on the counters of the souvenir trailers and that's how you bought them. So that's, that's why they're hard to find in good condition. So the next one is the 1987 World of Outlaws, Jeff Gordon, Jeffy Pooh, number 52. Uh, this is the last card of the 1987 World of Outlaws set. Uh, Jeff Gordon's card is by far the most collectible in that set. The 1987 World of Outlaws set was sold as a complete set at souvenir stands at World of Outlaw races during the 1987 season. So... Uh, that's a pretty cool card, and it comes in a little box. It sure does. Uh, and so we actually uh, mentioned or talked about some of these sets. Uh, episode 33 for the 86 Sports Star Photographics, and then episode number 40 for the 1987-88 World of Outlaws. So if you want some more information about those. And then let's go to row number eight. And we have the 1988 Max cover card, 1B, and that's Charlotte uh, 100. In 1988, Max sold cards in cello packs uh, from and in factory sets. The cello packs contain a cover card that states 10 collector's cards, while the factory set cover card states 100 collector cards on the front. And this card is from the factory set and is very condition sensitive because uh, those would rattle around as a top card and rattle around in those uh, in those set boxes. So. But they, uh, the only way to get the only way to get the one with the hundred on the top is from the factory set. So, um, and then next one is 1980 Max as well. The Dale Hurt number 99. This card was printed by Max, but was held from being released due to licensing issues with Dale Earnhardt. The cards were never destroyed and found their way to the secondary market after the Max bankruptcy. So very few had leaked out. Uh, in the early or late 80s, but then uh, after the max bankruptcy, uh, more started to trickle out. So they're still tough to find, but uh, uh, it's an iconic image. It would have been awesome if those were released during 88, but uh, uh, they were not. But like I said, folks love them. So, yeah, me too. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's go to row nine. All right, uh, another 1988 Max. This is the Richard Petty card number 43. This is Richard Petty's first card from a mainstream NASCAR trading card set. Uh, you know, it's unlike the 72 SDP. Uh, of course, these were issued in packs, so that's why a lot of people consider this his rookie card, whereas, you know, we think that the 72 SDP is his rookie card. Um the next one after that is the 1989 Max Dale Earnhardt number three. Max released his first licensed individual Dale Earnhardt senior card after failing to secure a license in 1988. This was considered his first trading card for many years until others came to light. And the 1988 version found its way into the secondary market. Um, again, it's, you know, there's always debates about rookie cards. I mean, a lot of people think that rookie cards are, uh, the ones that are, were truly packed pulled. So, I mean, it, you know, this could be a rookie card, but, you know, again, we go back to the 83 Uno, but cool card there. 
Yeah, and I think some of this is kind of like the early baseball. You know, they're released in in cigarette packs and you know other stuff before you know tops started producing them year in and year out. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, if uh, I'm like Ted Williams or whatever, if he had a a card prior to you know the first tops or whatever, would that be considered as rookie? So uh, it's a lot easier to define rookie cards now because, you know, those cards have been produced since 1988 on, but prior to that, it kind of gets a little, a uh, little, not as clear cut. So, but at least, you know, but folks are recognizing uh, the different issues. So, all right. So let's go to row 10 and we have the 1991 IROC Dale Earnhardt. Uh, no number on this, and the 12 card set was available only as a cello wrap set and produced by Dodge. People went crazy for this. Set. Oh my god, yes! I remember back in the day, people were asking a thousand dollars when this thing came out back in 1991 for this set. Yeah, it's uh, and then also on this uh, row here, the 1901 Pro Set John Force number 17, uh, 1999. Wow. Riding the wave of NASCAR trading card success, ProSet released a 130-card NHRA set featuring the stars of the day. This set contains the rookie cards of 16-time NHRA champion John Force. Yep, that's our first um, NHRA drag racing card that you've seen. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool image there of him. I think it's a good... Uh, Good one. All right, so row 11. Okay, the 1991 Tracks Jeff Gordon number one black-bordered card. In 1991, the exclusive NASCAR license Max enjoyed expired, allowing new companies to join the NASCAR trading card market. Tracks created their iconic first set and very first pack-inserted Jeff Gordon card during that year. Uh, it's a black border. Of course, we all know about black borders and how well they do not grade but it's a cool card it's very iconic it shows him in his uh bush series uniform with the carolina ford dealers that's before he got whisk whisked away to hendrick motorsport <laughs> which is a whole nother story right there yeah it's a whole nother show that's a whole show by itself and then the next card we've got is our first f1 card this is 1992 grid f1 michael schumacher number 51 it's the seven time world champions first release in an f1 mainstream trading card set so i i remember pre-pandemic before all the big hype on f1 you could buy these sets all day long for 15 20 dollars and now they're out of this world i think they're 100 200 but yeah, yeah. that's a cool card of him right there mm -hmm. all right number row number 12 we have the 1992 tracks autograph jeff gordon a7 and it's part of the nine-card autograph set. This is the first certified autograph of Jeff Gordon. And then also 1992, uh, tracks uh, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, card A1, dual signed. This card uh, boasted photographs and for the first time in NASCAR card history, autographs of two of the sports most accomplished drivers, Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. 
Yeah, and uh, let me put a little footnote into all this. The very first autograph that I ever pulled out of a NASCAR card pack was the 1992 tracks Jeff Gordon autograph. And I, at the time, I went, wah, wah, wah. I just pulled a dud. But then uh, over the years, <laughs> it became very good to have. <laughs> yeah. All right. Row number 13. Okay. The 1993 Texaco Davy Allison autograph card. This is card number AU1. This card was the first pack pulled certified autograph for Davey, and the, it could be easily identified from the in-person autograph cards. Uh, the way you could identify it was the cards with his name lower on the card front uh, were pack pulled. Davey, it said Davey passed away in 1993. I actually have, I think I've got it still sitting on my desk here. We'll show we. We can cut away here in a second and we can show it. I can show you the differences between those cards. But anyway, the next one is the 1994 Wheels High Gear Dale Earnhardt Jr. number 183. Uh, this was in the second series of cards. And it's the most common of the four versions of the Dale Earnhardt Jr. rookie cards from that set. And it's, it's, it's a pretty iconic card, needless to say. Mm -hmm. But it, Val, if you want to cut cut away real quick, I can show people the difference because I actually have them have both of these cards framed up. You can see the Davy Allison how the block is over here on this one at the top where it's got his name, and then the other ones on the lower part. And that's how you know that you've got the a real autographed version of that card. It was pretty smart of them to do that. Yes, it was very smart of them to do that. So that's the difference. I mean, you see if I can. Zoom so the, the one on the right there is a pack pulled autograph. And again, it was his first, first and only uh, pack, cert, pack certified auto. Yep. And um, in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's see. Uh, that was that one. So we're going to row 14. And we also have the 1994 Wheels High Gear Day 1 Gold. Dale Earnhardt Jr., again, from the second series, but the day one boxes and the most rare version of the Dale Earnhardt Jr. rookie card featuring a gold foil day one as opposed to a silver foil day one. And then we have the 1986 Pinnacle Zenith Seven Wonders Seven Diamond card, uh, Dale Earnhardt, which, uh, number WC1, Pinnacles, vibrant design, bold color choices, and high quality materials accumulated in the 1996 Zenith Racing offering uh, when they created an insert set boasting single diamonds uh, on the cards of some of NASCAR's greatest stars. The crown jewel, uh, which was a Dale Earnhardt card, was it say authenticated? Embedded. Oh, embedded with seven diamonds and numbered to 94 copies. Uh, so the, that's just an incredible card. So the odds of pulling one of these is one out of 6,025 packs. Wow. That's uh. Priest out. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. 
I don't know if I've ever seen one in person. I, I think I've seen one in person. There's, I think there's one on eBay right now. And people are asking a lot of money for it, which yeah, is yeah. absolutely absurd. They're out there, I think, with a million-dollar bid. They're just trying to fish there. So. Yeah, they are fishing. All right, so row number 15. Okay, the 1996 Press Pass Burning Rubber Dale Earnhardt card number one, I believe is what it is. Uh, the 1996 Press Pass base set was first produced to feature game, event, race used memorabilia on a trading card. They were the very first people to do it, folks, and as, as we all know. Each of the seven cards in the set were numbered to 500 as a case hit out of a 20-box master case. So there was one of these cards in a case. And I think I actually hit a Mark Martin. So I actually got one one time. I never got the Dale Earnhardt. But uh, this was the was the first of its kind race used tire uh, card set in the collect and set the collecting world on fire. So, yeah, that was um, a pretty groundbreaking thing because you know that's what started all the memorabilia cards that we enjoy and love today. Mm -hmm. All right, so the next one is the 1996 Press Pass M Force sheet metal card, Dale Earnhardt number M two. It's an acetate card with a coating of hard or soft acrylic and it's it's kind of poorly made because they actually do turn yellow uh, but it's very a very unique looking card and uh up until its release in 1996 press pass press passes one off enforced product was larger than life in mystique and sheer massiveness each 20 box master case was roughly the size of a pontoon boat <laughs> which i vaguely remember that and and you, and you just actually, I don't want I, I, I should have proofed this. <laughs> and you, you sand just about as much into the boxes as you would keep boat, keeping a boat running. In these mysterious sheet metal relic cards, were composed of six cards, limited to two, to two hundred of each, and just over twenty percent more produced in the nineteen ninety four Max Medallion at nine hundred ninety nine cases. This product was incredibly limited and sought after. Earnhardt's copy quickly skyrocketed to $350 in the first issue of the Beckett when it hit stands after the product's release. So, yeah, that was that was pretty weird issue, but it was kind of iconic. Um, the way they did the sheet metal encased in the acrylics. Yeah. The acetate, it's but if you feel those cards, some of them, some of them feel soft. It's like like, like we've gotten the description. They feel they feel kind of soft. Yeah, I don't know. You know, they made that, but I don't, you know, they weren't time tested. <laughs> it was time tested now kind of a thing, if that makes sense. So they did it and like, okay, yeah, it holds up, but, you know, nobody knows what, how it holds up over time. So, well, yeah, I mean, you're thinking 20 some odd years now and uh, what, 28 years. And then, like I said, a lot of them start to yellow. You have to really store them, you know, in, in a really climate controlled area to keep them good. Yeah. All right, row number 16, the 1996 Upper Deck Dale Earnhardt number 301. The first year Upper Deck produced NASCAR cards was 1995. Unfortunately, that set was missing the biggest name in sports. The 1996 Upper Deck NASCAR set included Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s original image 1995 card as an SP and card number 301. This was the second time Earnhardt Held, held out, allowing his 
allowing his license to appear in the inaugural NASCAR card set. Yeah, he was, uh, must have been tough, really tough to negotiate. Well, we know that now because uh, even look now. But anyway, the mm-hmm. 1998 Press Pass signing Dale Earnhardt Jr., number 39. This card is Dale Jr.'s first pack certified autograph. His full signature is featured on this card before he shortened it to the iconic Dale Jr., which we all know today. Yeah, those are tough, but they're cool. But yeah, very cool. All right, row 17. We're almost almost there. Okay, the next one is the 1999 SP Dale Earnhardt Jr. Auto out of 500. It's card number 83. It's an early Dale Earnhardt Jr. autograph that is appreciated for its simplicity and availability, which you can find these. I mean, even though there's 500, they appear on eBay, you know, fairly routinely. But it's it's a pretty cool card. And, and you as you can see, it's it's not the shortened version of Dale Jr. we see these days. It's it's real Dale Jr. on there. Um, the right. next card after that is the 2000 SP Authentic Jimmy Johnson number 39. Uh, this card portrays the future seven-time Cup champion in his Bush Series fire suit and is one of his rookie cards. He, he had several rookie cards that year in 2000, but uh, this is probably one of the more iconic ones. Those are rosy, rosy cheeks. All right, let's go to row 18. The 2000 SP Authentic Sign of the Times, Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, card number DE, part of a 59-card set. This recognizable card has a large signing area to allow for a clean and detailed, a beautiful signature. And then also the 2000 Upper Deck Racing Jimmy Johnson, card number 38, the main rookie card for the seven-time Cup championship, seven-time Cup Series champion. This card popped up with a full rainbow foil finish. Right, let's go to row number nineteen. Okay, next card is the two thousand two Choice Rising Stars Kyle Busch number eighteen. And little did they know that that number eighteen would be synonymous with him at the time. But this is a pre-rookie card. It features the future two-time cup champion and has a fitting number in the set, number 18, of course, which I just mentioned. So it's a, that's a pretty cool card. Then the next one is the 2011 Wheels Element Chase Elliott Undiscovered Elements, number 99 card. Uh, the key rookie card for one of NASCAR's most popular drivers. This is the top card in the five-card Undiscovered Elements set, which is... Uh, which is a great card. I love that card. One of my favorites. Yeah. All right. The final two entries. 2020 Tops Chrome Lewis Hamilton, number one. And Tops created the very first Chrome Formula One set in, two, in 2020. To lead off the set of 200 cards, Top led off the set with seven-time F1 World Champion Lewis Hamilton making the most popular F1 driver the key to the beautiful set. And then also 2020 Tops Chrome Mike's uh, Max Verstappen number number six. And also Tops produced its first Formula One trading card and the first for the sport in almost 15 years. This 200 card release has many of the first trading cards for the sport's current drivers. And so uh, that is the 40 
members on the ballot. And again, you can get to that ballot by scanning or taking a photo of that QR code. Or you can go to HTTP for those on the podcast, HTTP colon back uh, forward slash forward slash BIT dot. Is that a LY? Yes. LY four slash RC H O F B A L L O T. So that is HTTP colon backslash backslash or forward slash forward slash BIT dot LY forward slash RC Hall of Fame H O F ballot B A L L O T. I'll uh, I'll put the if it lets me put the link in the description of YouTube. Yeah, well, yeah, you can put it in the description. Yep, and so you'll be asked for an email address, and the password is uppercase R C H O F. Yep, and voting is the entire month of January. So good luck, have fun. I hope everybody enjoys this. I know that we've had a good good time. It's been fun just compiling this list. Yeah, it's it's hard to pick just 10. So mm-hmm. that's so many deserving. So, but uh, that's awesome. I don't think we have anything else. We go, uh, we're at one, one hour here. We'll go to King's Court. Yep, let's head on and roll that beautiful bean footage. Okay, we're going to start out this week's King's Court with honorable mention number one. This is on the 18th of December. And keep in mind, we're going to have three, approximately almost three weeks of King's Court here, or, you know, various eBay auctions. So uh, that's why I added an extra, extra honorable mention. So anyway, this is a 1989 Max number three Dale Earnhardt rookie card, PSA 10 NASCAR legend. It says there's a pop of 50 of, of these cards, which I think is right. Um, they were asking $1,999.99 for this card, which to me was a little bit of a pie-in-the-sky thing. But they settled on a best offer of $1,000 for that. Wow. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, that's a, that, that looks very well-centered. Looks, looks, uh, that's a nice-looking card. Yeah, you can tell by the flags on the left and right of the name here. So, yeah, the center is real good. Again, the, what makes these tough is the green board, the green back, and the chipping from that white paper on the edges. So, just so folks know. Yep. All right. All right. Honorable mention number two. This was on the 14th of December. It's a 2006 Futera Grand Prix Michael Schumacher race used patch out of 275. It's a PSA seven, which I mean, you know, we didn't even know about these these Futura memorabilia cards until like I think sometime last year. It, you know, we didn't even know they existed. But anyway, this card went out for bidding, and it landed at twelve hundred and two dollars and seventy seven cents with forty one bids. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's and you see, it's a Propstein auction as well. Okay, let's keep on moving. <laughs> okay, all right. Next up, honorable mention number three. Um, this was going to be my um, 
Joker of the Week, but I saw something else that was, I thought, a bigger Joker. So this one became my honorable mention number three. This was on the 20th of December. It's a Carol Shelby 1964 Daytona Cobra Coupe autograph signed rookie card. Um, they had a buy it now price of $1,799.99. And somebody went click and bought it for $1,799.99. I mean, did you look at the back here? It's numbered at a 2,500. Yeah. And there's nine different cards. So he signed whatever that is, you know, 2,500 times nine. Uh, yeah. So two is 5,000. Uh, so that's four is 20,000, 20, 22,500. If my math is right, quick. 22,000. Yeah. 22,000 something. Yeah. 22,000. Yeah. 22,500. But, mm -hmm. but he signed them in pen. Which I don't, I just don't understand that. Yeah, um, I don't know when these are signed, but yeah, well, a lot of folks, you know, you find the old programs signed in pen, so, but I don't know what year this was, so. Oh, but, this this was in the 90s. I, I don't remember exa the exact year of this card. Yeah. Interesting. Um, that is really cool, especially after Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That That's uh that's a really incredible price for that. That is an incredible price. That's a lot of money for those cards. I remember it hasn't been all that long ago. Those cards, you could probably buy them three, four hundred dollars a piece. And now look at it. That's what, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. So all right, let's keep it moving. All right, we're gonna have some discussion about this one. Our Joker of the Week. This was on the 21st of December. Richard Petty two signed, signed twice, 1972 STP NASCAR dual auto PSA DNA authentic. And it went out for bidding, and it landed at $1,130 with 24 bids. Okay. So this begs the question. Why in God's green earth would you have this thing signed twice? Because he signed it in silver first. Yep. And they were not happy with it. Mm -hmm. Because the blue is the way to go. That card, I mean, I think I all mine. Maybe they're all signed in blue. But anyway, that blue just looks so good. So... That would explain why the petty's down there and kind of in that small. smaller space. Yeah. Uh, so they, they didn't like the, the silver and they thought the, the blue would be better. So I don't know. I don't know if I would have got it signed again. No, I would not have gotten it signed again. And this is the exact reason why Justin went and got his signed in person. That is, is exactly right. Because so, you never know what kind of pen he's going to use. And he uses... He's been fluctuating here recently between the silver and the white pins. And uh, I would not have wanted this. I would have done exactly what Justin did. I would have gotten this thing signed in person with the marker that I wanted. I, I think I think this was a dumb move by whoever made it. I would never have gotten it signed twice. Um, I just I think that just hurt this card badly. I mean, it's such an iconic card. And to get it signed twice like that, does not add any value and as you can see it really decreased the value because this is cheap yeah i was i was actually when you were talking about this and looking at it, i'm like does this really hurt the card and i felt like it did and um of course you've voiced your opinion so i i would agree with you that it signed twice hurts it and i think once with the blue would have been incredible so i would love to know the story how 
this got signed in silver. If they did it through the mail or left it or they had it signed and they didn't have a blue pen or, you know, I'd love to know, like the ones that I got signed uh, to the point, like with Justin, even when these weren't high dollar, I would always want them, you know, signed with, with my pen kind of a thing. So uh, yeah, I just would love to know the backstory to it. So, but anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, still $1,100. Yeah. If anybody knows the story on this, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Sure would. Yeah, no, I'm not, not, it's not a, uh, call anybody out or whatever, just, you mm-hmm. know, just to learn how, uh, try to avoid some of these things if, if in the future, you know, we can, everybody can learn kind of from it. I love the flip though, our petty slash our petty. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's no, it's fine. Our petty, our petty. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. Our Jack of the week. This is on the 24th Christmas Eve. It's a 2020 Tops Chrome F1 Lando Calrissian Norris Sapphire Gold Refractor number 14 of 50 PSA 7. They were asking $899.95 for this card and they settled on the best offer of $555. Strange number. $555? Mm, for PSA 7. Well, I don't think the 7 hurts it that much. Because we know how some of those are conditioned. Because this is Sapphire. Well, Sapphire. Anyway, uh, you know, it's a great 2020 card. So it has that going for it. Like I said, the seven, it's not great, but I don't think it it kills it. So, Yeah, and you notice one thing about the pose. He's got like a perfume model pose. <laughs> like he's trying to sell perfume. <laughs> oh, is this the image variation? It may very well be. Oh, okay. I would have thought that maybe on that point it would have gone a little higher, but I don't know if that's on the on the card front or if that's on the case. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And there's no image at the back, so we can't tell. So we're just speculating. But um, and we know some of this stuff's coming down. It's a cool card. I I, I think he's definitely on the way up. So yeah, I think that uh, if you're going to buy any. Uh, F1 cards, he, he may be the, the person to, to gravitate to. That's just my opinion only. I'm well, not I was going to say, so if you bought a Sapphire box, what's Sapphire? Those little Sapphire box are two and a half, two and a half, 2.5, 2,500 bucks, 3,000 for those little Sapphire boxes. And you only get, I think, only a few of the color in there. So uh, you, this is a, st- a steal, I guess, instead of having to buy a Sapphire box, so. Yep, agreed. Okay, let's keep it going. All right, our Queen of the Week. This is on the 26th of December. It's a 2023 Panini VIP Gold Pack. Hyper Prism, number 68, Danica Patrick. And they say, this is a one of one. And uh, they were asking $299 for this card. They settled on a best offer of $250 bucks for that card. It's a raw card. Yeah, I was just thinking like the VIP packs. I didn't really see much of those at the National. <clears throat> no, we really didn't see a lot of those this year. But, you know, we really didn't hang out over there like we had in the past either. So, but, um, you know, it's a cool card. I mean, 
for a Danica collector, that's a great card to have. It's nice. Looking, it's a nice looking card with that black and gold. Agreed. I think it looks really good. I, and then that that green and her black suit stick out, stand out. So, imagine pulling a one one autograph card out of a VIP pack. Holy smokes! That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. All right. All right. Next up is our King of the Week. This was on the twenty first of December, nineteen eighty eight. Max Charlotte promo. Wow, we hadn't seen this card in a while. Uh, number 99, Dale Earnhardt, rookie card. It's a PSA 10, and I'll do more air quotes again, NASCAR legend. Uh, they were asking a pie in the sky. I hate these when people do this. Number $5,999.99 for this card. They settled on a best offer, which was less than a third of that, at $1,800, which I think is kind of high for that card but it's it may be very well worth it it's um I, it may be just a tad high but again we talk about being iconic and uh you know on the mount rushmore that that it just in that image and we ha it's on our list of and one of the ones to be nominated for the first year of the racing car hall of fame so and it's a psa 10 can't go wrong with a PSA 10. Nope. So it's uh it's a nice card, man. And uh it's a it's a legit card. So oh yeah. All right, let's see. Uh all right. So so next our ace of the week, which are which is our one of one. This is on the 14th of December. So hold on, puzzles for a second here. So we go from a Dale Earnhardt 1988 PSA 10. For what you say, eighteen hundred dollars? Yes. To a twenty twenty three raw card. That's all I gotta say. Okay. So we're going to this raw card right here. It's a twenty twenty three tops Excellenza F one Lewis Hamilton one of one gold supremo card. It's a case hit supposedly. I, I can't verify that. And more air quotes. Oh my God! OMG! This card went out for bidding, man. 57 bids and it landed at 3350 bucks for Lewis Hamilton Raw Card 101. I can tell you're stunned by your silence. <laughs> I think I said it all. Your yeah, your silence speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a nice card, but man, I don't know. Give me the Dale, give me the Dale Earnhardt Senior any day. But then again, you know, we're NASCAR collectors. Is that a crease up here in this top left corner, or maybe it's no? It's, maybe it's part. It's part of the design. Design, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that too, and I was like, oh no, wait a minute, that's part of the design because you see the little loop that goes goes around. It's like I, I mean, it looks good, but I don't know just because you stamp one on one on it that I, I don't know. Again, this is not my market, so. Um, and if I had three thousand three hundred and fifty dollars, it'd probably not be the card that I would buy with that. So, but yep. uh, that's not saying that you know whoever won it. I'm not trying to put anything down. It's just you know there's there's so many cards out there, and there's so many different kind of collectors. So, um, we are just reviewing it and kind of showing where things are going and what's selling and the great. So, um, again, that's you know twenty twenty three. And uh, that's a new release here. So in the last few months, yeah. 
So that's cool. That's that may be one of the top cards in the set. So that may devalue the boxes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was looking to see if there's a, how that numbering is. Because again, this is all like a UK based release. We don't have it here in the US. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a card number on it or if it's just. I see the super. Supremo. Yeah. I don't, but I don't see a card number on it. So how, if it's part of a set, like if it was the 20, whatever Chrome and it's one to 200, you know, what card number is. So I got no idea. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not uh, proficient in that set. So, but uh, congrats to the seller and the buyer. I mean, 57 people went after it. So. Yeah. All right. So our last card for this week's King's court is our Royal Flush. This was on the 22nd of December. It's a 2020 Tops Formula One Dynasty. Max Verstappen, auto patch number five of 10. And of course they say 2020 or 2021-22 World Driving Champ, but actually it's more than that. I think that card's been on, this card I think has been on eBay for a long time because they were asking 33,000 $333.33 for this card. And somebody finally, finally, because this card's been up there a long time. And somebody finally decided they wanted to buy it. So they gave them a best offer of $11,990. And now this card is theirs for eleven, almost 12 grand. 12 grand. Wow. Not worth it to me. Sorry. Uh, I just think it's it's overinflated. I, I'll say that, and and people can flame me if they, they want. But I, well, just go in the boxes of Formula One Dynasty. What were they like? They got up to like five thousand, seven thousand. If I remember right, you got only one card. So yeah, and then then the seller is asking again these pie in the sky numbers, which I do not like. Um, but you know, to each his own. I can't. You know, that's nothing I can control. But, um, you know, congrats to the seller. I'll definitely say that. Yeah. I mean, auto looks good. And again, it's 2020 and we don't know how many Max is going to finish with championships. Cause what did I say? Red Bull won 95, 96% of the races last year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a, what, the, what the decline is. I don't know if they can win more than that next year or so. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is he's got maybe a few more championships in him. And oh, he's definitely got one. a few more championships in him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But um, like I said, this card's been up there a long, long time, and and I just thought it was overinflated. And I still I still think that this price is too high for this card. But again, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, I'm a cheap collector. <laughs> uh, to me, eleven thousand nine hundred ninety dollars is a ton of money. Uh, especially to spend on any single card, especially a racing card of any type. But um, well, I, it's I something think, that you know. I think we're kind of in the same camp. If if you're going to spend that kind of money, it's something that's going to be scarce uh, and not you know only a few years old. And not, I don't want to say artificial scarce, but you know it's it, it's kind of limited to and and that high end issue. So we don't necessarily play in that high end issue. So. Well, you just don't – here's the thing about current players slash drivers. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
Um, I mean, I'll say this, you know, and I'll, and I'll, I'll speak to the Pokemon market, you know, Charizard never got pulled over for drunk driving. Okay. So you never know what could happen to an athlete to, to totally deflate their cards. We just take a look at Wander Franco in baseball. We'll just leave it there. I wouldn't spend this kind of money on a card like this with a, with a current driver. Yeah, no, I, I can, you know, when you're saying that I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, Alan Quickie and Davey Allison and Robert Russo. And uh, I'm sure I can go on uh, Neil Bonnet and, and uh, a few more of those guys. So you never know. Uh, then to your point, uh, some of what these other athletes do, you know, retire early. Who's that? Uh, Luck, Andrew Luck, just decide, hey, I'm out of here. Yeah, and his stuff went down after that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I guess, you know, we've been around cards for a long time, so we've seen a lot of stuff. And it seems like uh, a lot of it repeats itself maybe in different sports. And it does. That's that's a, that's a true statement. I agree with that. I just think that this is – I think – again, I think the F1 market as a whole it has been artificially inflated. Again, I'm say to me what you want, but but you can't you you, you can't deny that. Um, no, I don't know if this is a place to, to talk about it or not. I was probably going to save this for the when we talk about F one, but right now the F one market, we've had a few releases. What three, four releases? Three, I guess 20, 21, 22, and I guess we're getting twenty three. So we're going to have four releases. But after twenty years of Verstappen's and Hamilton's and all their one-on-ones and all their autographs, you know, what does that look like? You know, is it hold up like Tiger Woods over time or does it end up like NASCAR where you can get, you know, we've had 24, 23 years of Jimmy Johnson autographs uh, down on Jeff Gordon autograph. So Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I just, and I'm not trying to crap on F1 or, or by any stretch of the imagination because I love the F1 cards, but I just think that $11,990 is just way too much for a card like this. I just, I just don't see it. It's just, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me from a, a collecting perspective. Now, maybe from an investing perspective, maybe that's what somebody's doing. And if you've got that kind of money to to buy a card like that and want to invest, that's great. You know, you know, I, I hope that it pans out for you. But again, you know, he's a current athlete. You just don't ever know what can happen. I just, I just can't see myself pouring that kind of money into any kind of current athlete, whether it's F1 or baseball, football, basketball, any sport. I just can't see myself doing that. And I think you hit on that great point where you're looking at as investing and then also you know, spending 11, 12 grand on a card that, you know, depending on how much you make a year or make a month, that could be a big percentage or a small percentage, right? So it could be, a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody, I don't know, talk about Verstappen. Maybe Verstappen wants to buy his cards. I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars he made last year. So th- this is nothing um, to him as opposed to somebody who's working minimum wage. Uh, this could be, you know, a few months worth of pay. So, exactly. 
but yeah, so it's all relative on 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 the collector. So, uh, like I said, we're not trying to put on put down anything, but you know, no. we're trying to look at it at I think in our collecting realm and not necessarily investors. Uh, now, if I had millions of dollars, this probably would be I'd snap them all up. So, yeah, you could. But like I said, this one's been out here a long time. But again, congrats to the seller. I think the seller did great. Uh, do I think it's worth this price? No. Sorry. Well, they had to come down. They got this card for a third of the price. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. We said 11 grand, right? Yeah. But I mean, this you can throw any number out there, Val. You can put 100,000 on this. I understand. But this is like going to Publix or whatever. It's like... <laughs> You, you you bought this car. It's like you saved twenty two thousand dollars today. Oh yeah, well, that's like that's like Kroger. Uh, a real quick quick story. That's what like Kroger would used to do. They they would put two liter cokes at two dollars. Then you'd use your Kroger card to get it for eighty nine cents. Well, you saved a dollar and eleven cents. No, I really didn't. But you overinflated your price. You're just making it look like I saved more money. Right. So when <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So the guy should have sent him a bill and say you say. Your prices, you saved 33, 66% <laughs> yeah, today. Put on his receipt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You saved. <laughs> exactly. So it's okay. all relative. So all we, right. we beat this one to death. So, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, anybody, everybody who's still watching, listening, we appreciate it. Uh, apologize yeah. for uh, some of that here for going along. But uh, we're super excited. To be back, we're super excited for the rookie rookie card, racing card, Hall of Fame. <laughs> I see that RC and that RC, 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 RC. Yeah, right in my head. But it's racing card, Hall of Fame. Twenty cards on the ballot. Uh, again, forty. Twenty rows of two for forty. <laughs> I got the rows in my head there. So you can but you can only pick ten. I got. I I'm not wavered on that. That's it. You got that right. And the password still is capital R-C-H-O-F. Yes. So those things I am not wavering on. So have fun, everybody, with that. Uh, we've had a lot of, like I said, we've had a lot of fun putting it together. And we've, we've done it for everybody out there. So enjoy it. Yeah, I'm super excited to find out who the winners are going to be. Yeah, so, you know, I won't know. I'm just, uh, I can't wait. Here we got, I got a month of waiting. Yeah, so we'll see. It'll be cool. Can't wait. All right. So uh, I think that's it. And again, from uh, me and Logan, we're excited to be back. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, anything, any parting 2024 words of wisdom? Well, it's the same old 2023 words of wisdom. Uh, Ty freaking Gibbs, hashtag skid marks, and hashtag slapfire. All right. We're okay, we'll out come here. Up, we'll, come up, we'll come up with some new hashtags. I was going to say... But anyway, and if everybody noticed, Logan's got a different background. So, oh yeah, yeah, check out all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got I got a hashtag for you for right now. At least at least it's relative for right now. Hashtag RCHOS. That's what I was gonna do. Okay, I'm glad you uh, picked <laughs> up on that one. All right, so we, I, I swear this is it. We're out of here, and we'll we'll be back next week. Uh, this is as show 173 is a wrap. We're out of here. <laughs>